0: Well, hello there. Time again for the Florida Roundtable. I am Melissa Fox, and this week we've got another action-filled roundtable for you. We'll take a peek at new hair trends and the colors for fall. Pinellas County's art scene is on tap. Also, heart valve disease testing, a simple test can save your life. Did you know PETA rescued 4,000 beagles that were bred for experiments? We're going to talk to the vice president of PETA about that. Multifamily communities still passing around COVID-19. We'll discuss what we can do to get the message out to them. And fall is coming. Should parents push their kids into sports? We're going to address these questions and all these topics in this week's episode of the Florida Roundtable on the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network. Remember, you can always get a podcast and replay it at your convenience on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline
2: can help you get it. 800-398-0651. 800-398-0651, 800-398-0651, that's 800-398-0651.
0: It's the Florida Roundtable, and COVID-19 has definitely taken disproportionate tolls on a lot of people throughout the country, American Indians and Alaska Natives in particular. According to CDC nationally, the risk of hospitalization from COVID-19 is three times higher among the Native Alaskans and American Indians Compared with white people, risk of death almost double. With that in mind, please welcome my guest, Dr. Loretta Christensen. How are you doing?
5: I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: no problem. This is obviously an issue we need to talk about. Um, As I said in the opening, COVID-19 has definitely disproportionately taken a toll. Can you explain that a little bit?
5: Well, COVID-19 definitely amplified many of the health inequities in the American Indian and Alaska Native communities. Um, we are definitely un, uh, under-resourced, and the underlying health disparities that were there before COVID were, were intensified greatly when the, when the pandemic passed over um, Indian country.
0: Why is it critical for people in these communities, and uh, parents in particular, to get their children vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine?
5: Well, all through this pandemic, we waited for um, a tool, a weapon to fight COVID. Certainly, our public health measures were very, very important but the vaccination is our best tool against preventing COVID-19 disease. Over time, we finally got approval for the kids um, all the way six months and up to be able to get a COVID-19 vaccine, and this is extremely important, especially in Indian country, with multi-generation homes and big families under one roof. There's much transmission between the families. In fact, we didn't have positive people; we had positive families.
0: Oh my goodness! So when
5: the children go to school, when the children go to school and do other activities, they're bringing that home. To grandmas, grandpas, aunties, uncles, and their parents, and there's this transmission back and forth that could be very critical to the health of that family.
0: That is just something we are going to have to get on top of. The age you just said, six months and up, correct, for the COVID-19 vaccine?
5: Yes, it is available from six months through all ages, and then boosters are available for five years old and above as well.
0: We're talking with Dr. Loretta Christensen about the, uh, the inequities basically in the uh, American Indian and Alaska Native children when it comes to COVID-19 and vaccines in general. Uh, what do we do parent, for the parents out there whose kids have missed routine vaccines over the years?
5: Well, that is absolutely a great point and something we're prioritizing across our agency. It is okay to get back on track. We do recommend the COVID-19 vaccine and when that visit is had for that child, We need to look at their vaccine schedule, and we need to get them back on track. This is very critical, very imperative, because we don't want to see uh, them fall to diseases such as chicken pox, polio, and things that we can prevent. You know, these are all preventable diseases with appropriate vaccination. So we highly encourage that families take their kids in and get on a schedule to catch up and keep those kids safe.
0: Now, I know that there are some messages out there around vaccinations that have resonated with the American Indian and Alaska Native communities. Can you describe the messages?
5: Well, you know, I really think that a lot of our success with vaccinations across Indian country have been emphasizing caring for our families, for our communities, for our friends, our coworkers. Um, And we very much believe in those communities. So that is a strong message. And the fact that tribal leaders and trusted leaders such as medicine men and women are out there saying this to everybody, this is how we protect, this is how we survive, this is how we continue that resilience uh, that we've all developed over time, uh, surviving all the things that have happened to American Indians and Alaska Natives. So that message is very, very important to our communities.
0: We're talking with Dr. Loretta Christensen. You're an enrolled member of the Navajo tribe. That's awesome.
5: Yes, I Yes, I am.
0: That is very cool. Uh, Massapequa over here, but only a teeny little bit. Um, So where can our listeners go for more information about getting their children vaccinated?
5: Well, IHS.gov offers immunization information. In fact, it's National Immunization Month. And also CDC.gov offers some really excellent um, printable tables for parents that they can look at and see where they're supposed to be. And they also describe ways to catch up on vaccines so that's another excellent resource
0: they sound like perfect resources to me we've been talking with dr. Loretta Christensen about the fact that COVID-19 is still out there especially in multifamily homes and communities like the American Indians and Alaska Native children we got to get the message out there and I appreciate you coming onto the Florida roundtable and helping us out thank you so much You got it. Take care. You're listening to the Florida Roundtable on the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network.
2: Are you getting the internet speed you need? The state of Florida
6: has launched an anonymous, statewide study of broadband speeds with a free internet speed test. The results of the study will help guide investments to improve broadband speeds around our state. To take the test and measure your connection speed, visit FasterFlorida.org. That's FasterFlorida.org to take the state's official internet speed test.
3: How you can make the most of your
7: brain
0: as you age
7: at BrainHealth.gov.
0: It's the Florida Roundtable and school just started a couple of weeks ago and here in Florida last week and all over the United States it's starting up right after Labor Day. Well that means the return of the fall sports season, but a lot less kids are actually participating A recent report found that nearly 3 in 10 child athletes have lost interest in playing organized sports. We've got Dr. Elizabeth Davis with us. Hi, Dr. Davis. Hi there. Now, you are a pediatric sports medicine physician at the Orlando Health Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children. Tell me what is going on. What are you seeing so far with regards to kids in sports?
8: Yes. Well kids obviously for the most part love to play sports but we have seen a decline over the last couple of years with sports participation we're not really sure why that is um you know for a while there we thought maybe it was secondary to covid obviously because um parents didn't want to you know, expose their children to COVID. But, you know, now we're sort of in this endemic phase where we're kind of learning to live with COVID. So what we've realized is that um, kids just aren't getting back into sports like they have been before. And we're not sure if that's still from a worry state from parents or if that's because children have found other things to interest them.
0: Wow. So and of course, those other things may be video games or, or not, uh, you know, maybe lesson plans, things like that, that they have to take care of. But how do we get our kids' interest in playing sports? I mean, teamwork and all the lessons that are taught through organized sports are just really important to our kids, don't you think?
8: Absolutely, yes. In fact, I encourage all of my patients, even when they're injured, you know, even if they do have to take some time off, that it is very important to um, get them back to playing sports, not only for their mental health, but for their physical health as well. Um, so there's a couple of aspects that are really important for kids in playing sports, Um, Number one, obviously, just to be physically active is great for kids. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends for children of all ages to be active at least one hour most days of the week. Um, And so sports participation is a great way to get kids involved uh, in being physically active. You have to understand that a lot of schools um, don't even offer PE anymore, you know, or they give kids the – Um, Option to not take PE. And so if kids aren't doing PE, if they're not doing recess, they're actually not being physically active during the day at school. Um, So sports is a great way to get those kids physically active and to get that 60 minutes of um, activity in during the day, especially during the uh, school week. You know, Uh, and on the weekends as well. Yeah,
0: of course. The CDC um, reported that the rise of obesity during the pandemic grew like 22%. For kids between the ages of 2 and 19, um, do you know any other ways that the pandemic affected youth and sports?
8: Yeah, so, you know, for children that um, did have COVID, there was some also some concern about, you know, um, heart-related long-term effects with COVID. And so that was one of the things that when children were returning back to sports for those kids that um, luckily most kids, didn't have really severe cases of COVID, but for those children who were hospitalized or who um, did have kind of a a rougher go with COVID, you know, we had to make sure from a heart standpoint that they were good to go back to sports, that they didn't have any underlying heart issues um, before letting them return. So I think parents were also a little bit concerned about that as well. Um, And so that's one of the things, um, not only just not having them get outside you know so being stuck inside on the tv on the video games etc and probably eating more food than they did in the past right, <laughs> right. with covid um but you know that lack uh, that lack of physical activity i think probably contributed to um that increase in weight as well
0: have you ever noticed that there's uh you know a lower income seem to be playing the the more contact sports now and that a lot of the the upper-income parents have pulled their kids out because they don't want the sports injuries that come along with full contact? Have you noticed that?
8: You know, I actually really haven't. No, I, I take care of sort of the full spectrum. So we have, you know, we're in a big city, so we have our um, underserved schools that we take care of, but we also have our very affluent schools, our private schools, and we are seeing sports participation really across the board. Um, you know, football, cheerleading, um, soccer, Um, track and field, you know, whether they're contact sports or non-contact sports, really kids are participating in a variety of sports, sort of regardless of where they come from. Um, And so I think it's just really important as a physician that I try to educate parents, educate kids on, you know, the risk of contact sports, and that if they do get injured, you know, they just need to let us know and they need to come and get checked out before we, you know, before they go back to playing.
0: That makes sense. We're talking with Dr. Davis, Elizabeth Davis. She's a, PT, a pediatric sports medicine physician at the Orlando Health Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children. What should parents be doing? Should they push their kids into something that the kids may not want to do? Yeah, so I, you know, I think a lot of it really depends on your child. There are some children
8: that are always going to be resistant to playing sports. And so I think um, from a parental standpoint in that situation – kids need a little encouragement. So I would definitely have the parent um, find something that they think their child might like. Um, A great way to do it is find out what the child's friends are doing. So if you can find a couple of friends that are playing some sports, like such as you know, t-ball for the younger kids or soccer or basketball, say, hey, your friends are doing that. Why don't you go and, you know, let's sign you up for their team and let's have you play on their team together. Because sometimes it's about all about camaraderie. You know, if a child's friends are playing, they're much more likely to play than if they're going and being on a team where they don't know anyone.
9: Sure.
8: Um, if it's a situation where, you know, the child is a little bit more fearful of playing on a team and would rather play an individual sport, parents can also, you know, sort of lean more towards the individual sport. So they could do something like, you know, tennis or swimming or even ice skating, you know, something like that, where they're um, sort of doing a sport where they can um, participate by themselves and they don't necessarily have to be with other kids um, to be able to participate in that event.
0: Right. So the only thing they'd be missing out on would be teamwork for the most part. But the physical activity, the improved self-esteem that one gets from sports, that's all there, plus the health benefits. So Exactly.
8: Well, and you also have to remember, too, even with the individualized sports, you know you still typically will have a coach you know you'll have somebody that's helping you um and so you still have to sort of um learn to follow directions from your coaches you know you do have to um sort of learn to follow rules of like for example i was a figure skater growing up so you know, you still have to learn to follow the rules of the ice rink, and you have to learn to follow your coach. And then even doing ice skating, I was on a, um, a synchronized skating team, you know, and so I did have to work together with my other skating friends, you know, when we were on the team together. So, so there's definitely benefits um, to playing not only team sports but individualized sports
0: as well. How young is too young for organized sports, Dr. Davis?
8: Again, I think that really depends on your child. But for the most part, you know, really before the age of two or three, is is probably going to be a little bit young. Well, yeah. Um, simply because, the tr- <laughs> you know, children that young are not going to be able to focus. And developmentally, they're not going to be able to, you know, participate in team sports. But, but typically, once kids get in preschool, you know, preschool, like pre-K and kindergarten, that's really kind of a great time to um, start them on team sports because they do have that. Developmental, they're in those developmental stages where they can focus, they can listen, they can follow instructions, they can play with those other kids, Um, and it's a great time to start building uh, those relationships and building um, sort of that team bonding experience, you know, that they have playing sports um, at that age.
0: So uh, worst case scenario, the kid comes home and says, "I I don't want to play this anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this. I want to quit the team." should, how do parents react? How do they do that? Let them quit or, I mean.
8: Right. Yeah. I, I think that's something that a lot of parents face. And again, I, you know, I think there's a couple of situations where I would say it's probably okay to let them do that. Obviously, if your child is um, getting hurt, you know, if they're in a situation where they're not safe, um, if they're in a situation where, you know, there's uh, they're having some um, issues with other kids on the team, um, you know, that, that sort of aren't able to be otherwise worked out. I think those are kind of valid reasons for letting your child sort of quit in the middle of the season. Um, But for the most part, if your child just wants to quit because they just don't want to play the sport, they're just tired of it. And, you know, they're not interested. If they, I really do encourage parents, if that, if you guys made that commitment to that team for that season, you know, you really should try to encourage your child to stay with that team for the season, right? So finish the season, finish the few weeks that you're doing it. Um, and then at the end of the season, if if your child really doesn't want to play that sport and really doesn't like it, that's fine. They don't have to join next year. You know, they don't have to join for the next go around. They can pick something else. Um, but I think what that really teaches children is that, you know, if they pick something and then they decide they don't like it, um, it teaches them to hold their commitment, right? If they make a commitment to something, they really have to follow it through. They have to see it through. If they don't like it, that's fine, but they need to be able to to stand by their commitment and not let their other teammates down, especially if them dropping off the team, then they don't have enough kids to participate, right? And so um, if if your child, you know, is part of that team and they need your child to participate to be able to have the team, then I think it's important for them to finish.
0: We have been talking about kids getting into sports. You know, school year has just begun, and the fall sports season is there. Now, is it just me, or is it cute as all get out watching the little ones play like uh, peewee football, running around? Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> They're
8: absolutely adorable. adorable. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then, again, uh, what about parents? Should they get so involved that maybe they start coaching the team or anything? Or I mean, what's a good Barometer there for the parents
8: Yeah Well I know here um, in Orlando With one of our t-ball leagues um, So many kids signed up this year That there actually weren't enough coaches So some of the parents did have to sign up to coach um, In order to Be able to you know have all the kids Be on teams which I actually thought was great You know I thought what a what a Show of support from our parents That our parents are willing to sign up and coach our little ones You know my my daughter uh, was wanting To participate on a t-ball team And what a great show of support from all of our friends that, you know, the parents' dads, that these kids' dads signed up to coach these little t-ball teams. So I thought that was great. Um, I think it's wonderful for parents to be involved. Um, You know, I think it's a positive experience. It really shows your child that you're invested in them, that you really want them to succeed and you want them to do well. Um, I think where it can become an issue is, you know your motivation if you're really trying to to motivate your kids to play sports and to to be healthy that's one thing but if you're trying to get them to do a sport that they really don't want to do you know you you have to kind of look look at that and say well you know is this is this really the right thing for me to do for my child right hmm. um so I, I think there are some there are some good good points about it for sure but you know you have to make sure that your your heart's in the right place when you do it
0: most definitely so in uh, in wrapping up here dr davis um any tips for kids who can get the same health benefits even though they don't want to necessarily be on a sports team
8: yeah, so I think for those kids who are really resistant to being on a sports team or or if you just live in a community where maybe those options just aren't available for you. Um, even just, you know, getting out with your child and and doing a bike ride or doing a walk around the neighborhood after dinner, um, going in the backyard, you know, if you have a if you have access to a, a public park or, you know, you have a basketball hoop in your driveway you know, take your kid outside and just shoot hoops with them or kick the soccer ball around in the yard, you know, just do something with your child um, to get them outside. Not only does it, again, does it keep them physically active, um, help with their mental health, but it also gives you a chance to bond with your kid. you know, and to really um, just spend some time with them instead of you know sitting inside being on the tv or or you know just doing something else where you guys aren't necessarily sharing time together
0: dr elizabeth davis thank you so much for sharing with us today on the florida round table
8: yes thank you so much for having me
3: jennifer knows firsthand that not all military trauma is combat related as a sexual assault survivor she left the service and tried to move on but the depression and nightmares never left Jennifer got the help she needed. Now she works at the Florida Veterans Support Line, using her journey to help fellow vets find the support and resources they need. Call one 844 my vet confidential 24-7.
9: If adjusting to civilian life is hard, call me, I've been there. If you're a
1: diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance.
2: If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call US Med now to learn more. 800-513-1652. 800-513-1652. 800-513-1652. That's 800-513-1652.
10: Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Growing up with a brother with autism, Sarah Crump witnessed firsthand how kids with disabilities felt left out by their peers. It's why at the age of 15, Sarah approached her cheerleading coach with an idea to include girls with disabilities on her school's cheer team. Well, what started out as an inclusive high school cheer team in a small town in Iowa has led to what is now known as Sparkle Effect, a thriving nonprofit with over 180 cheer teams across the United States, bringing students with and without disabilities together through cheerleading. The result? More confidence, higher grades, and better school attendance for kids with disabilities. And for those without a disability, new friends and a greater empathy. You want to learn more? Well, visit disabilitycampaign.org where we have posted a link to the fabulous work known as the Sparkle Effect. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late, we stay informed,
7: To learn more, visit hud.gov slash That's hud.gov slash Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance.
0: It's the Florida Roundtable. Melissa Fox and our friends from Visit St. Pete Clearwater are back. We've got CEO Steve Hayes. And Barbara St. Clair is visiting us today from Creative Pinellas. She's the CEO over there. We are going to talk about arts in Pinellas County today. Welcome to the show. Steve, how you doing? Barbara, how you doing?
12: Awesome. Doing good, thank you.
0: Awesome. So, Steve, um... (laughs) What's been going on tourism-wise in Pinellas County since uh, since we last talked?
12: Well, actually, we've we've had a lot of great things going on. But one of the things I wanted to briefly touch upon was. Uh the some of the research we're doing around the development of our strategic plan, looking ahead of how we go through and um, and promote tourism and also talk about tourism as a whole. And uh, this gave us an opportunity to get input from our residents as well as community leaders and businesses. Um, and, and it really, it helps us set the stage for the next five years. I mean, this is the first time we've done anything like this since early 2000.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot going on. And really, a lot going on. But uh, what about some of the things that you found out, and what are we going to focus on?
12: Well, one of the things that I felt was very important, and which is why we had we wanted to have Barbara on here today, is when we talked to our potential visitors and we looked at the uh, going through and testing our creative, we all know the beach is the number one reason people come here. But one of the things we consistently heard from the research was the other things that you can do, of which arts and culture was a strong part of that. And so that really helped us in developing our creative and that messaging to talk to that other audience, which gives us another group to tell our wonderful story.
0: Yep, like the arts and culture, which brings us to our guest, Barbara. Tell us what you guys do at Creative Pinellas, and uh, how are you working in conjunction with Visit St. Pete Clearwater?
13: Thank you. So Creative Pinellas is the local arts agency for the whole of Pinellas County. And uh, what we do is, well, we're all about the arts. Now, that means performing arts, that means murals, that means galleries, museums, uh, art walks, you name it. We support the arts, and we support the arts community, and we support people who like to experience the arts. Um, And in doing that, we know that Pinellas County is a -a one-of-a-kind arts community. It offers an opportunity for visitors to explore what we call the Arts Coast and have an amazing arts experience. And because uh, Steve and his team are really devoted to talking to our visitors and bringing them to our community, we work very closely with Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater to to make it available, the message about the great arts
0: here. All right, so what's the Barbara and Steve collaboration at hand today? What are we doing?
13: Well, uh, my team was just spent the weekend at the Piedmont Arts Festival in Atlanta. We sent three of our emerging artists um, to give the people of Atlanta a taste of the flavor of the kind of arts experiences they would have in Pinellas County, and we were right next door to visit Saint Petersburg Clearwater's team, uh, so we were selling the whole package.
0: Ah, that sounds fun. So, what's on the horizon?
13: Well. We are launching what we call an Arts Navigator. Now, one of the unique things about Pinellas County is that when you come here, there's so much to do in arts and culture, it's really hard to decide. Uh, So with this Navigator, which is a tool you can use on your phone, you can find out what's happening in the arts that's just right for you. So your perfect arts experience. For example, if you like public art, it's going to tell you about the Shine Mural Festival in October. If you like Uh, uh, glass, it's going to tell you about some opportunities to do glass blowing as well as uh, go to glass museums. If you like to buy art, it's going to tell you where your art walks are in the county, just in time for the holidays. So if uh, you use the Arts Navigator, it's going to connect you with your perfect experience. And um, we have things in Pinellas County going on, of course, all the time. So uh, anybody who is listening, I encourage you to visit artsspc.com and learn about all of the things you can enjoy in the arts in Pinellas County.
0: Barbara St. Clair is with us. She is the CEO of Creative Pinellas. So how did you get into all of this, Barbara? What's uh, Tell us a little background.
13: Oh, my goodness. Um, so I worked in the corporate world in marketing communications uh, for a very long time. <laughs> we'll just say that. <laughs> And uh, at a certain point, I sort of thought, well, I've built shareholder value for a number of companies. I'd like to do that for my community. And I have a master's in creative writing, so I was very attracted to the arts. Uh, Creative Pinellas was uh, just at the beginning of uh, its explosive growth, and um, they were looking for a CEO, and I raised my hand. Yeah. been with the organization since 2016.
0: So uh, you bring more managerial skills, or are you an artist yourself?
13: I would say I bring organizational and leadership skills. Um, team building, uh, strategy, visioning. Um, but I love the arts, and I, I am very attracted to the creative process. I believe that artists are, are the most creative problem solvers you'll find anywhere. So working with artists in the arts community is part of the way that um, I think we can contribute to positive answers for our, our community.
0: And of course, you know, I'm not ignoring you, Steve Hayes. Really, I'm not. Steve's a veteran of the tourism industry and of the Florida Roundtable, uh, president and CEO. What did you do before you were working with Visit St. Pete Clearwater? Well,
12: I was up in the panhandle. Uh, I was the CEO for Visit Pensacola. But prior to that, I spent 25 years over on the other side
0: of the bay in Tampa. Ah, so you're definitely a man of the area. Wow. So visit St. Pete Clearwater. What is it? How does it work? And can I get a job there? <laughs> Well,
12: you know what, I think there's a, there's a lot of folks that would like to work for us, uh, especially when we tell the stories that we have, uh, getting people to come visit. I mean, keep in mind, what we do is, I you know, we're the ones that are out uh, selling the destination to folks looking at coming on a travel, you know, for travel, uh, whether it's for vacation, it's to visit family, it's for sports, a meetings and conference, it's a film production, really all of that. And we're we're help telling that story and really help creating memories. And I think that's probably the most important part.
0: Now, last time you were on the show, we had a wonderful guest talking about building up and bringing businesses from other states, cities, counties, what have you. And now we're talking about the art and culture that Pinellas County has to offer. You guys are just limitless over there. I mean, and I say over there because I'm I'm on the other side of Florida And I'm coming soon. Watch out, uh, St. Pete Clairwater. Here comes the fox. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, with this in mind, though, I want to know what the Shine Mural Festival is because this is a new one to me. I've heard the art walk, I understand that concept. What's Shine, Barbara?
13: So Shine is sponsored by the St. Petersburg Arts Alliance. They bring muralists, they bring muralists from who who paint and practice in the Pinellas County area and they bring muralists from outside and they have a, a essentially what you'd call a painting spree where they find a number of walls and they have the artists are painting it. Plus, there's talks and there's artists who work with young people, painting murals, community murals. And it's just a big mural activity to really call attention to uh, what a great public art city St. Petersburg is. And also the surrounding areas where there's amazing murals as well, all the way throughout Pinellas County. And that happens in October.
0: Okay, now you mentioned something briefly, and I need you to explain it just a little further, and that would be uh, the Arts Navigator. Where we find Uh it, what's this all about, who's contributing, just lay it out for me.
13: So um, a challenge that any community has, but certainly a community with tons and tons of arts, is how do you get it all in one place so people can easily find it? There's probably 10 or 15 different calendars right now that you could look at. So one of the things that the Arts Navigator does is it actually goes out to the internet and it pulls things in into our database so nobody has to enter Uh, the data. uh. So it's a very complete calendar. But the other thing is you take a little quiz at the beginning of it and it identifies what kind of arts lover you are. So if you're a resort arts lover, if you're an adventure arts lover, if you're a connoisseur, if you're eclectic, it will help you figure out who you are as a, a, an arts consumer, and then it will suggest the top things that you might want to do while you're visiting.
0: Okay, so where do I get a hold of that?
13: Artsnavigator.com.
0: Oh, that's too easy. Artsnavigator.com. Seriously, that easy? I thought it was going to be like oh, backslash, yes. <laughs> forward slash, you know, all this goofiness. And how about Visit St. Pete Clearwater? Steve, how do we get, the, get on board with them?
12: It's real simple. Visit stpeteclearwater.com.
0: Oh, I look forward to your monthly updates, you know, Steve. Thanks for bringing us Barbara St. Clair. Wow. What a talented person bringing all this together on the show. Thank you so much. And again, folks, for more information, artsnavigator.com. And uh, what was the Visit St. Pete one again, please, sir? visit stpeteclearwater.com. Oh, that was easy as well. All right, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the show and promoting St. Pete, Pinellas County, and Clearwater.
12: All righty. Thank you, Musa.
0: Heart valve disease is more
1: common than you or your doctor may think, especially as you get older. It's serious but treatable with a proper diagnosis. If you or a loved one are experiencing shortness of breath, fatigue, chest tightness or pressure, dizziness or fainting, Talk to your doctor and ask for an echocardiogram to get diagnosed early and enjoy your best quality of life. Learn more at askforecho.com. That's ask the number four, echo.com. Life can be full of risks.
6: How fast is the internet at your home, school or workplace? The state of Florida is conducting an anonymous statewide study of internet availability through an official internet speed test. The results of the study will help guide investments to improve broadband speeds around our state. Visit fasterflorida.org to measure your connection speed today. That's fasterflorida.org to take the state's official internet speed test.
14: Recently, I picked up my grandson's backpack and was shocked at how heavy it was. Do you know the average student backpack weighs anywhere between 12 and 20 pounds? That's a big bag to lug around. Now, you may not carry a backpack anymore, but I bet you know what it's like to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. What burdens are you carrying today? Are they relational, financial, stress from your job, difficult health situation? The Bible tells us to cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. Now the burdens will not magically go away, but they will seem lighter and easier to handle. You can find peace even in the middle of life's struggles. Give Jesus a try. He loves you, and he will help you carry your burdens. What have you got to lose except a backpack full of trouble? This is Bryant Wright, speaking Right From My Heart.
10: For more on this and other topics, visit rightfromtheheart.org.
0: Hello and welcome. It is the Florida Roundtable. A lot of stuff going on lately in the news, and I have got to tell you, it's just driving me crazy. So PETA does this investigation, right? And they rescue 4,000 beagles, all just bred for experiments. So we're going to talk about how we can help dogs like those. Right now, please welcome PETA Vice President Daniel Payton. Hello and welcome to the Florida Roundtable. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Certainly. So uh, why did PETA start investigating this breeding facility? We had found an inspection report from
11: 2017 that was issued by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which inspects facilities like this. And they had found sick and injured dogs who had been denied veterinary care. They found thousands of dogs held in dilapidated cages and kennels, some of them had inches of feces built up inside them. So we looked at that and the fact that they held something like 5,000 animals on size at the time and thought we had to take a look for ourselves and get a, a closer, more encompassing perspective on things than, you know, the USDA can get in a single-day uh, visit.
0: Wow. Yeah. Tell me about Samson. Now, he's an 8-year-old beagle. This is one of the dogs you rescued? He is, yes, he's the first dog who who
11: left. uh he was uh smitten with our investigator who worked at the facility last year. uh, she fell in love with him and she begged and pleaded management there for months until they finally relented and said that she could adopt him so when she uh when she stopped working there she she took him home and and he is living uh the life that he always deserved and that and all dogs deserve but um, it was his neglect and, and evidence about him and, and how he was treated that helped, kind of really spark the USDA to, to cite the facility for violations of law, and, and those citations are ultimately what led to a, a federal lawsuit uh, that got all these four thousand beagles out uh, to
0: freedom. Wow, this is um, this is precedent-setting stuff in this case, isn't it?
11: It is in a variety of ways. It, it's, On the face of it, it's just the largest rescue of dogs in U.S. history from any kind of facility. It's the first time that a facility that's breeding animals for experimental purposes to sell to laboratories has been shut down. And it's the first time that the U.S. Department of Justice has stepped in and and taken action like this, taken a big company uh, that's involved in the experimentation industry to court and really held them accountable for you know, thumbing their nose at at very bare minimum federal laws for so long. So it it bodes well, I think, for animal protection in the U.S. and and other animals who are caught in this industry um, with companies that might think themselves beyond the reach of law enforcement.
0: We're talking with PETA Vice President Daniel Payden, and... Without freaking out our listeners here on the roundtable, can you tell us some of the experiments that these dogs were used in?
11: Yes. So they were used oftentimes in experimental surgeries. Uh, they were oftentimes forced to run on treadmills. A lot of these dogs are used to study the effects of exercise on hearts. But, of course, sometimes they're pushed too far, and the dogs suffer. Um, they are bred to suffer Uh, very painful, debilitating conditions that mimic those in humans, like, for instance, muscular dystrophy. And they're oftentimes force-fed experimental compounds, uh, pharmaceuticals, pesticides, uh, insecticides, and, and things like that. Very painful, terrifying experiments. Uh, And many of them do result in the animals uh, dying or being put down at the end.
0: So this victory for PETA, just the first step. There are other companies out there that supply animals to laboratories. Is that true?
11: There are quite a few of them, yes. So at any given time, there's just for dogs alone, uh, incredibly, there's about 65,000 dogs um, behind the bars so to speak, in labs in the US. and then there's this whole other industry that supplies those animals and other animals, small animals, primates, etc, to laboratories. And so this facility in Virginia is shutting down and, and that's tremendous news because not one more animal will be bred and suffer you know and leave there. Um, but there are facilities in, in the Northeast and in the Midwest that keep up to 21,000 beagles. In cages at a given time. So there's this whole hidden industry that I think more and more people will become aware of through this story and through these 4,000 beagles spreading out and, and finding homes with people literally across the U.S.
0: So, where can our listeners go to help stop the cruel experiments on dogs? And is there any information on how they can also adopt out some of these dogs to give them the life they deserve?
11: Yes, thank you. So at PETA.org, people can find information about the use of dogs and other animals and uh, how to write your Member of Congress, for instance, and ask them to shift funding from experiments on animals to other uh, testing methods that are uh, better for human health and also not cruel. Uh, In terms of finding out how to adopt one of these beagles, you can go to hsus.org slash beaglerescue. That's the Humane Society of the United States uh, page. They are the ones coordinating moving these 4,000 animals to shelters uh, across the U.S., including several in Florida. Uh, And they have links there to to the shelters, the humane societies that are taking these animals in and adopting them out.
0: You know, this has just got to stop. This is an inspiring story, though. Uh, PETA has done it, at least, like I said, the first step. And uh, companies that supply animals to laboratories, we really do need to shut this down. It's just cruel and, and unusual and not acceptable. PETA Vice President Daniel Payton, thank you so much for all you do and for helping us out on the Florida Roundtable. Thank you, Melissa. You too. We are talking beauty right now. And joining us live, beauty and lifestyle editor Joanne Butler. She's got the skinny, the scoop on the hottest hair trends and secrets to getting gorgeous-looking locks this fall.
9: How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Joanne, it's awesome having you too. So are we going to find out some of the secrets for great-looking fall hair? Yep, yep.
9: You know, the biggest secret that a lot of people don't realize is that the key to a great hair day starts with healthy hair hydration because without that your hair will just never look good and uh you know just like our skin our hair can get really dehydrated too and that makes it look dull and feel super inflexible and, and dry uh so the beauty brand l'oreal paris who's you know, known for skincare, they're actually the number one selling skincare serum brand, uh, has created this new hair care line completely inspired by skincare. Um, it's called the Elvive Hyaluron Plump Collection, and it's made with hyaluronic acid, which is a famous ingredient known for plumping up our skin. Uh, so it's pretty amazing. There's a moisturizing shampoo that gently cleanses, a conditioner that detangles, and a leave-in plumping serum. Um, Just literally wraps each hair strand with moisture for smoother texture and softness and just ultimate shine and bounciness and just really replenishes your hair uh, for a full 72 hours, actually, and it doesn't weigh it down. That's really really the key. Um, And you'll notice a difference right away when you use it. It's good for all hair types. The best part here is that it's exclusive to Walmart, so it's super affordable. Uh, The shampoo and conditioner are under five bucks, and the spray is under seven bucks, so pretty amazing.
0: That is very amazing. We're talking with Joanne (laughs) Butler. She's a lifestyle editor, founder, and editor in chief of LifeMinute.tv. We have spoken before. This time we are speaking about maybe the styles, color trends that we're going to see once autumn hits.
9: Yeah, well, you know what? Um, What's old is new again. You know, we've seen that in everything from home design to music to fashion. And now, you know, it's made its way to beauty, of course. So, you know, we're seeing lots of 70s and 80s and 90s looks So 70s shag cuts, uh, curtain bangs, and then 90s bods, you know. Um, When it comes to color, lots of copper looks and auburns, a little bit red, you know, uh, and strawberry blondes. So uh, you know, it's old is new again. Um, but just remember, though, you know, to set that canvas just like before. You put your makeup on, you prep your skin, you know, with foundation, moisturizer. You gotta do the same thing for your hair. You gotta, you gotta hydrate it. That's really the key to maximizing all the trends that we're seeing for fall.
0: Sounds like it. And Walmart exclusive with the products for your hair care inspired by skin care. Healthy, yep. hydrated strands and locks. It sounds good. Where can we get these uh, these uh, products again? Walmart. And what are they called? Walmart. Yep, exclusive
9: to Walmart. L'Oreal Paris Elvive Hyaluron Plump.
0: Ooh, I love L-Vive. it. Elvive. <laughs> this flows off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Joanne. It's been wonderful talking to you. I'm going to go out and get those products right now because my hair is having humid humid reactions. <laughs>
9: <laughs> yes, aren't we all? Right. Right. will do the trick for you. You'll love it.
0: Indeed. Check her out, lifeminute.tv. Joanne Butler, thank you for taking the time to stop by the Florida Roundtable.
9: Thank you so much for having me. It was fun.
0: This August, we want you to remember to keep children safe as we return to school. Always stop for stopped school buses and obey signals from crossing guards. Remain alert and do not use your cell phone in school zones. And remember that car seats and booster seats only work if they are used correctly every time. Do your part to help keep us safe on the roadways. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. For more
8: important safety tips, visit FLHSMV.gov.
3: Camaraderie got Miguel through Iraq and Afghanistan. Back home, it saved his life. The support of his fellow veterans gave Miguel the connection and resources he needed to adjust to civilian life. Now he's paying that forward at the Florida Veterans Support Line. Call 1 844 MyFLVet, confidential 24 7. If you or someone you love needs help, call me. I've been there.
1: Are you a homeowner and need extra cash to pay off debt, medical bills, education expenses? Or are you planning for retirement? Homeowners like us have most of our money tied up in our homes. But what good does it do if you can't access your money with a real-life checkbook? Knock offers a new way of getting cash out of your home. They buy it from you, and you stay in your home as a renter. And depending on your program, you can also buy it back at any time. If your credit score is not perfect, don't worry. Knock can still help you get the cash you need. If your home is valued at $100,000 or more, take five minutes of your time to learn how to convert the
2: equity in your home into cash. Give Easy Knock a call right now. 800-382-7624. 800-382-7624. that's 800-382-7624. Shortness
8: of breath, patient's confused, temp 102. He just had an infection, what's going on?
2: He's becoming
7: septic.
8: Antibiotics started, bed ready, let's move him.
7: Infections can lead to a deadly chain reaction in your body called sepsis. Very quickly, sepsis can cause tissue damage, organ failure, and even death. If you know the risks, can spot the symptoms and act fast, then you can get ahead of sepsis. Learn more at cdc.gov sepsis.
10: My muscles ached. I
3: was tired
10: all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere.
3: The unsettling thing about some symptoms is...
13: I had a fever and these terrible headaches.
3: You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite.
13: I had Zika virus
10: from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens.
1: Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit PestWorld.org.
3: A public service message from the National Pest Management Association. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable, a news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station's management, ownership, or sponsors. For questions or comments, write to Florida Roundtable at FNNOnline.net.